Welcome back to MovieTrailerReviews.net. I said that really fast. It's your host, Phenom Black. As you can tell, I don't normally do that. That is Chris's line. I probably would have came up with something else. I don't know. I, I just I just be here watching movies and talking stuff. So let's do that. Let's talk movies and watch stuff or something in that order. Yeah. You going to tell them I'm here or are we just really winging it, bro? We, we, me, we being me and Ro, we saw talk to me which is opening the theaters tonight i believe their screenings tonight they did some early screenings paid screenings it seems yesterday which is what i was a part of but yeah so we're getting a horror film this summer after all of these big blockbuster summer flops that pretty much have just been going back to back to back to back all the way up until the barbie oppenheimer shit and now we're getting a horror film from a24 which is my favorite studio right now so um, let's talk about this. Uh, Ro, you can go. How'd, how'd you feel about this? I hate you so much, and I love you so dearly. I saw this during festival season, so I've been waiting to talk to you about this movie all year. Um, I was slightly dismayed because when I first tried to put the movie on your radar, y'all both gave me like a standard, this must be some raw shit, we're not going to do a movie, and I was really upset and I was sad and I wanted to cry. Um, for those who don't know, this movie is about a group of kids that discover a way to conjure spirits through an embalmed hand, um, and they turn it into a game, which then becomes a TikTok sensation of them holding this hand and then talk and quote unquote talking to whoever comes through the door. Now, I don't know about you, B, but I will watch a a monkey paw meets a possession movie with the quickness. Uh, I always really want to watch it in the dead of night with some holy water and some salt. I was pleasantly surprised by this one. Um, I liked the cast. I think Sophie Wilde, at, who plays the lead, Mia, she's got some really good drama tropes. I feel like this movie did a better job of doing the emotional family drama development than necessarily being a horror movie. So maybe, maybe I'm just too jaded on horror movies. But they did some really good jump stairs. It had some great practical effects. They went lo-fi in ways that we haven't seen for a while. They did some really good callbacks to some um some big you know big horror like tentpole kind of imagery um and 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 i i kind of i was pleasantly surprised i kind of dug it um and i really felt like this family unit gave me what i helped kept hoping the family unit and the boogeyman would give me but never silly managed seem to seem to come together and coalesce to be able to give me what did you think mm -hmm. um yeah so i just want to like <clears throat> give it even more simplified explanation of what this film is. This is pretty much kids recording themselves being possessed for TikTok. That's exactly what this is. And it sounds stupid because you see films like you see the horror films where it's kids being followed or stalked on Facebook, right? These uh these these uh what what do they call them? I I'm I hate them so much. The found footage stuff. This is for the new bad. generation. Right, those films were stupid. Okay, they're just they're just terrible. Like that whole Blair Witch movement shit was terrible. But this is I applaud any film that is a that holds a mirror up to the younger generation or to any generation and goes, "This is what y'all look like when y'all eat AirPods." I mean, uh, Tide Pods. Excuse me, not AirPods. Don't eat AirPods. Sell AirPods to me for twenty dollars. When y'all eat Tide Pods, this is what y'all look like when y'all chew on cinnamon. Like, this is what y'all look like on TikTok 
being idiots, doing stuff because your peers are idiots too. And y'all sit around each other and be big groups of idiots. I don't know which is y'all are a gaggle of imbeciles. But it's and also y'all are recording. But I also the, feel this like movie this movie is literally for me. It was the gift. Everything is fine <laughs> because that's what this is fine. This is fine. Sophie, while Mia in this film is the dog in the gift for this is fine because that girl can't get right at all in this movie. And like it's it, I had so much secondhand embarrassment for her character. That's exactly like none of the kids in this film are good kids except for one, and that is the one that gets fucked up the most. The one kid in this film who's like, oh, I kind of feel bad for this. I understand, like I understand what he's going through. You know, his friend's a dick. His sister's kind of a dick. He's got to deal with this girl who's had a great loss recently. So she's kind of just wallowing and there's this weird thing with them, this kind of connection thing, but it's it's okay because they support each other. And then this film tortures that poor kid to death. Like Sophia Wilde's character, Sophia Wilde acts her ass off in this film. That is undeniable. But whoever plays the brother of her best friend, I don't know what that actor's name is, that kid is going far because all of his scenes just require the most out of him. So what you're saying is we actually came to see Otis because his name is Daniel. We we, we really <laughs> did. Like, but we I, really did. But I also would say that, um, you know, every generation kind of has the movie that's like the good entryway. And like, you know, I think this more for me was less about like the movies that are found footage. And by the way, I like found footage movies. I didn't like the Blair Witch, but I like found footage movies. Um, I feel like everybody has that position, possession movie that falls within their cohort. You know, like like what two thousand early aughts. Uh, you know, we got The Conjuring, and then it turned into a whole we, universe. We got a possession movie coming out later this year, another Exorcist film. Right. Well, that I mean, well, but but that would be like my mom's gen. Like their movie, like these these things. The, the the great thing about these types of movies is there's pretty much a definitive one per generation, and then that's where you get all of the classic conventions. I feel like the Rocket Rocket Twins for me, this is their debut, and I feel like it may not have felt like it was really scary, but they really kind of understood what the vehicle genre, what the the, the genre vehicle of like horror and the conventions can really do because secondhand embarrassment is not the only thing that you feel when you were watching Sophie and them. I'm like, some of it, you're just like, y'all really don't, y'all really don't see it for each other. Like they're stupid. <laughs> they are so, it's like every like horror films. We're like everybody, like this person got stabbed because they're stupid. This person got stabbed because they're stupid. Right? So that's typical. You expect that these kids are stupid, stupid. They make the worst decisions. And they have the worst reactions to things it, when, when it's important to do like one simple thing and they never do the one simple thing. The only kid in this film who is not like a hundred percent terrible in those scenes is the sister, but she's Ooh. dumb. For, she's, she's dumb because of how all, it all goes down in the first place. Like she just wasn't being a responsible older sister 
because she was a selfish kind of bitch. But and that's but, but it's also like this is real brother sister drama. This is age appropriate angst. True. And I and I sometimes I feel like the thing that annoys me even when I watch these movies and they're kind of YA set because it's a teenage audience is they don't really give you anything that you can really anchor in and find to be realistic. Like that like I compared this earlier to the Boogeyman, which by the way, I don't dislike the Boogeyman. I don't know if you saw it. I thought it was I did not. Okay, I mean, it's it's another one of those movies where uh, it's the father with the kids, surviving children, the mother has passed. Y'all really be liking to kill mamas in the horror movies. Almost as much as Disney like to kill parents. Um, and uh, the way they have her act out in her grief and her, it, it doesn't match reality. But Sophie, even from her immaturity, her neediness, uh, and her friend Alexander just really kind of wanting her to chill because she wants to kick it with her boyfriend and 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 that like not really knowing how to balance relationships and also not taking things seriously because this is not something that's supposed to be serious. Like TikTok trends are not supposed to be real, which is how people actually end up dying doing some of these challenges because they don't think it's real. It's all supposed to be urban legend. It's all supposed to be fake. And so even when you get into the situation, the way they set it up, like they know just enough to be dangerous. And then they turn around and because they've turned it into this phenomenon, the people who really should be enforcing the rules are like, no, let's, I'm gonna let y'all cook. Like, let's see who's enforcing the rules. Right. They're the worst. These are are the worst two characters because they immediately gaslight the Mia at one point in this film. And it's like, bruh, are you serious? Y'all the ones who are doing this everywhere. Like y'all are the ones who are throwing these fucking parties. I'm sorry. I'm surprised. I couldn't tell they were charging to like host these events, but these possession events, but it's just like, are y'all even telling people because they really don't explain to you what the whole thing is going on with these parties. They show you like the clips on TikTok that me keeps watching. It's kind of assessing over, right? But they don't actually explain what's going on. You don't get that introduction until she finally sits down and does it. And even well, I the trailer is smart. I, I'm no, I'm not saying it wasn't smart. I'm saying that was a good way to cause, cause the film starts off rough. Like it starts off rough. It starts off Midsommar style fucking rough. And I was like, okay, A24 is back because A24 <laughs> has been doing these really like t- intense dramas and, and like, I don't want to say feel good films, but, like coming of age type films or, you know, understanding a character type, like character driven type films that just fall into the whole like niche art kind of just mm, Oscar baby shit. Dramas? Uh, They've I, been making dramas and that's what they feel like. They've been feeling I, like dramas. Okay, you know what? Like, I wish y'all could see, I really, I really wish y'all could see Phenom's face right now because like the whole time he is describing how A24 has been expanding its slate, it like, you really would feel like someone has a weapon shoved in the base of his spine while he's talking. (laughs) They've been doing these, like, 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 like Bo was the last one. Yes, we did get Pearl and stuff. That's great. I love Pearl. I love the next one. I want to see the next one is coming. Of course, we've discussed this, but they 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 had the film with the two Asian actors who I I really that I thought was recently was theirs, as well. Like A twenty four goes back. 
Isn't that A24? Yes, and I'm very right. angry that you called it the film. With because the I forgot the name, bro. I haven't seen it yet, oh. but like it's on my oh. list okay, of films I want to go okay. see. I just I'll haven't calm, seen it. I'll calm down. Yeah, I'll yeah, yeah. Down. Let me slide. I'm old. I forget shit. So I, I'm looking at stuff like that. Bo is Afraid, Past Lives. These are films that I want to go see with Ashley, right? Like these are good stories. I want you want to see them with your partner uh, okay, okay. and talk about them later, stuff like that. No, they, they did. This they film kind opened of... up. This film opened up the way it opened up, and I went, "Oh my god, I'm so glad Ashley's not here," because it's yeah. fucking rough, and it only gets rougher. It this this definitely calls back to the Pearl and Midsommar style and Hereditary style that A24 is absolutely known for, and I, I'm I'm so fucking here for this. Okay. This is probably going to be the be- one of the best horror films, and, and I'm calling it a horror film because everybody in my theater was squeamish as shit watching this the reactions everything a24 did his damn job a24 was like i know y'all glad to see we back because we is this this film is over the fucking top in the best ways and to find out that it was done by two youtubers or listen, two twin youtube two two twin tubers listen listen i, I, was, I, it's very I interesting. i'm not kidding when i say daniel and michael they're known as rocker rockers um they're, they, they, I don't, I don't watch a lot of their YouTube stuff, but I did know that they were, I, uh, I have a friend who does, and I always, they're sus, so I take everything from what's saying with a grain of salt, but they're like, no, nah, they're talking about moving into, um, doing more than just outrageous stunts, because I felt like once I realized that that's who this is, I was like, y'all, okay, y'all get it. They, they get it in a sense that maybe we weren't we don't necessarily think about them getting it because they are the youtube kids who were the hosts the ones who were always coordinating and putting on these outrageous stunts and all this other ridiculous crazy shit for an audience that's behind a camera so they brought that sensibility in and it meant that you had, they had a solid understanding of how this needed to be paced. So you're not, I'm, I 100% agree that this comes right out the gate and it, and, it, and it's no joke. But um, I also felt like they understood some of the, the, the uneasy vibe that needed to be set. And I thought it was smart that they set that over in the drama. But I will, I will agree with you that, but it, it for me, this is happy making because A24 has been really expanding its movie palette. Like, Mm-hmm. So you're getting love stories, but they're not the typical, you know, uh, happily ever after, happy for now endings. It's like, it's it's what what's all the things that are happening in there? Like, I would love to talk to you when you get a chance to see Past Lives because it's all my top movies of the list. And I wasn't surprised because it's, it's A24. Like, another movie that I saw during the fe- same festival that I saw um, Talk to Me, all... Dirt Roads Taste of Salt. And that is a beautiful, black as hell movie. And it's very somber. So I was so... And then the other movie that came out earlier this year, You Hurt My Feelings, is just a straight up drama comedy that's, quite frankly, I think it doesn't hit the way that... It didn't hit for me the way it hit for some people just because I felt like it was... It was very white-centered. And then so the concerns... I'm not going to lie. The trailers have looked very white-centered. Yes. But the the subject matter isn't. It's just the way that they chose to frame it and tell the story. I, I It just didn't... Like, it doesn't grab me. And then Bo is Afraid is, uh you know, that crazy-ass man's version of 
the uh you know he no one should ever let him le- read an epic poem from the Iliad, the Odyssey, or the Aeneid, or any of them, because that's what that—that's what he was doing over there, Odysseus. Okay, see, that's why I—I I was in, I was kind of in on that, and then I don't know, like I feel like like his Joker role started to creep into my brain again. I was like, I don't know if I like Joaquin. Yeah, but I. More. Yeah, yeah, but what I feel that eight twenty four that old levels of don't annoying. Do that. Don't do that. Don't even put him in that category. But then again, you know what? They are similarly creepy, so maybe they do belong there together. You might be right. But I do feel like what A twenty four does right does strongest is what you get and talk to me. I mean, it's 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 engaging. It's a solid it's a solid cast. The drama is here. They're playing around with like grief, denial again, peer pressure. Uh, it's 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 coming of agey, but not. And um, the sound mm. the sound is the sound is yeah, Jesus. man. Man, okay, I need like I know Christopher Nolan just it's I'm sorry, but it speaks volumes to me, no pun intended, that I saw this and Oppenheimer or Oppenheimer, and this film's sound stood out more to me than Oppenheimer. That's because because of how he did it. Nolan doesn't trust the audience, so he has very specific demands about level sets for this. This movie, mm. he plays. They play into the whispers, the the uneerie silence. He's not afraid of silence. The gradual build of voices and bangs, all of those things that they do, and it all comes together around a really kind of disenfranchised teenager. I think they understood horror. I think they really. I think they have yeah. a the person who did the sound for this, which I, I looked at. My, I think that person has a true understanding. And uh, mixed mes- meshed extremely well with the passion and love for horror films because the opening sound that did the, the moment I knew that this film was going to be a fucking problem was when you heard the knife unsheathed in the background. I was like, why was that so loud? Yeah. Did no one else hear that? Like, that's a problem. And it immediately it becomes an even worse problem. And that is the opening of the movie. If you don't remember that, like I can still hear that knife. If you don't remember hearing that knife, if that knife does not tense you up when you hear it, it gets, the sound gets worse in a, in a great way. The sound gets worse in scenes that get more intense. I mean, to the point where even some of the possessions, the sounds are so, in, they're just so in your face. The sound of They're water visual. in They are visual. The sounds are fucking visual mm-hmm. in this film. And I'm telling y'all, we just saw Oppenheimer. We we just heard a bomb go off. And this, this the sound in this stood out more. It, okay. just, it, it was more captivating in this because of the way it was used and what you were seeing on screen and what you weren't seeing on screen sometimes. Like, I'm sorry, but you have hit a whole new level of stupid. When you are playing a game where you are going to meet a random entity that you have no idea what is going on with them, what the fuck is happening, and then you allow them to enter you. That is, I just could not, could not understand that level of stupid while watching this movie. And at the same time, the train wreck that it is did not allow me to turn away. Because, again, the scene with that brother don't and how long it goes on 
It's not. It's not. It's not even spoiler. I'm just telling no, y'all. I'm like, just telling look. you, don't take me back there. I'm not saying. Oh spoiler. yeah, yeah. It, it's it very, is bad. It, look, the editing it's in this movie. So bad. Only, the editing in this movie almost eclipses how good the sound design and the sound department did, because the way the angles and how they move and transition oh from one thing to another, because they're abrupt. There are not a lot of legit no. jump scares in here, but when they run from a long one shot into something that starts being choppy and that, and things are happening right at the edge, it's like, that is one of the things that kind of sets up the sense of unease and the sense of foreboding so that when something really does happening, it hits really hard. And then when you nice, really... nice. is that a pun, ma'am? Like you know, yes. you yes. know how, yes, it was you know how movie. we have those uh, people have those when we watch like action scenes and we see people shooting and then, like they'll disarm a person that has the gun and everybody's like, "Yep, that would be me. I would be the person like if you pulled a gun on me, I will hoo ha hoo ha and get the gun out of your hand." And there's then there's people like me who look at you and go, no, "Okay, don't. that's an edited." scene in a movie yeah if someone pulls a gun on you intending to shoot you it is not going to happen that slow it's going to happen much faster than you understand but you will realize when you feel that burning sensation and you've been fucking shot and you hear the sound of the shot after you feel the burning sensation sensation that's how fast it happens so don't think somebody gonna pull a gun and you about to just disarm oh, what, what? it's not gonna happen you're not gonna get a wah or a woo out before you, you get you, a burning you, sensation you're gonna be shot you're gonna be shot and i love that that there's the there's the means of people trying to react that shit and they as soon as they move they in heaven because that's how real it would be this film does that when shit gets hot and it happens in this film when things go down and are really bad there's not a build-up there's not a, a a slow gradual edit there's not there's not enough time there's literally not enough time to for you to react and that's how it is in the real world that's what I loved about the way they edited this. Things happen, and as you are watching them happen, you're seeing people's reactions to what's happening, and you realize that because people have to react to things that happen, it it cause, it cause it helps the situation to get worse and prevents them from stopping them because they're still reacting while shit is going on. It, 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 it makes those scenes so much worse because you just cringe. As these things are going, like my audience was, they were not for it. They were told to fuck up. And I'm just sitting there kind of like, yeah, this, this is exactly how it would go down. <laughs> this is exactly how, it, because teens are idiots. Yeah, but they, I mean, but the fact that they didn't try to make this different. And I was like, I like this. I, and I think for some people it's going to feel stripped down because we've gotten really, really kind of, you know, chunky. It's Can we talk about that? Like, talk about that, please. That stripped down because I heard somebody say that kind of when we left the theater. We've gotten really into this idea that there has to be a lot of stuff going on around the action. You know, it can't just be like we always go that one step past. Like you have a really good scary person, and then they feel like they need to give you the full front of the face camera shot, and now you're not scared anymore. It's like uh, this this movie this movie does more by suggestion than it ever does directly in front of you. Like, this is a core group of kids. Like, they're not trying to oversell it. There's going to be a couple of times in the dialogue, you'd be like, did he really just say that? Did they really just... They... That's what we're doing? Oh, I... oh, but yeah. So, like, the sound design, 
like you were saying, Nolan's is over the top. It's big. I won't necessarily say for me that it hit better or, but this hits different. Like they didn't try to, like, you've got kind of a slight grainy feel in between the shots that are the shots that are like on your phone. Like you get that real sharp, surreal, hyper real kind of thing that people attribute more to Jordan Peele these days and his version of horror but all of his scenes are layered there's always like easter eggs there's multiple things and double entendres going on that is not happening here this is a straight up conventional horror movie like you know but there's themes there's stuff going on like the whole thing about this this all happens because this girl's daddy didn't take her to therapy and she's grieving and because they don't talk to each other um, mm-hmm. you know, you know you, like, you've got the relationship between her but they actually had an adult who acted like an adult when's the last time you watched a horror movie where an adult behaved in an adult fashion with respect to children yeah where it wasn't like a John Hughes type of effect oh we know you're not gonna do anything bad we're leaving no she was like no y'all some bastards I know y'all gonna yeah. do some bastard shit yeah. if you do some bastard shit don't fuck up my shit and it's when I come back you're grounded it's, it's gonna be on right, like her reaction to everything is a parent who understands her kids and her kids are bad and other kids are terrible. And that's, and that's completely fine because that is a very, like you said, it's a very realistic view of the world. It is not the, all right, honey, you'll be fine. Make popcorn. No one will stab you. Like it. What? Like she came in the door and the first thing she did was look at her daughter and say, you were supposed to be taking care of him. The second thing she did is look at him. What the hell did you do to my kid? That was a black, that, that black parent moment. That, that whole, like, my dad used to tell me all the time, yo, when me and my sister would go out, he'd be like, you better not come home without your sister. Yeah. And that was a real threat. That was not a come home and we'll go look for her. It was like a, you better put up a bat signal from wherever the fuck you are and continue the search. Yeah, don't leave and we'll see where it. you no, are. Do not come home without her. That, you don't th- that live was here. a real threat. You don't live here if they don't come home with you. And, be- and-, and that was her fault. So, I was talking about how, um, there's the whole the, the element of you better not come home without your sister. And that is where that character's fault lies in this film. And it's a huge fault, right? But we were talking about the complexities of this, the basicness of this film in comparison to the complexities of some of these other horror films where I feel like the directors or the writers do things, do extra things in the film to help explain the merits of the film or the, the actions or what is going on and why these consequences are occurring. So that the audience is fulfilled leaving the theater. And I feel like A24, what I respect about A24 is they don't do that. A24 gives you a story. They give you characters. They give you consequences. They give you some explanation. But for the most part, what's going to happen is going to happen. And in Talk to Me, I, I appreciated it for being linear in that way. I appreciated that if you watched enough horror films, you know what's going to happen in this story. But it doesn't make the film any less entertaining. Or it doesn't make it, it, it doesn't take any of the profoundness away from it when those things do happen. There is, there is a possession in this film that is so obvious. It's so fucking obvious what's about to happen. And you know from that point, everything is going to get so much worse. Um, with this main character. And I appreciated the film for doing that. And then I appreciated when we get later in the film, there could have been a breakdown and explanation. They could have found a magical character 
who just happened to have all the information they needed to try to stop the things that are happening, but they really don't because we're dealing with kids. We're dealing with a bunch of teenagers, older teenagers and younger teenagers. They're idiots and they have no idea what they're doing. There's no philosophical person in this group. There's no person with a balance to their common sense that with balance to their sense that would allow them to work, you know, within, a, with, within, what allows them to, 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 to kind of go off in a framework that's going to help anyone here. It just kind of gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse until it can't really get any worse. And I think A24 films do that very well. Like you look at Midsommar, that's what it is. It gets worse until it gets worse and until it just can't get any worse. You look at Lamb, you look at um, <laughs> Pearl, good God, you look at Pearl. X, don't forget X. the first installment. Yes. But I think it's more than just being, I think I think that's the quality that A24 looks for in their in their project, especially in debuts, like people who either genre, particularly horror, isn't where their bag has been before, or they're just coming out the gate. And I've, I've said this before when talking to Chris, I don't know if you were in the conversation because you tend to nope out on some of our more serious horror conversations because you're like, that's, I'm not doing this with y'all. Um, but I feel like sometimes people think that doing horror is easy, especially if you want to do kind of like a classic horror trope and possession it don't it really doesn't get any more classic than wanting to make a possession movie but how do you make a possession movie in 2023 in a world where everything has been done and i think like look these twin brothers i want to know if they're in therapy and if they're not i would like to know if they're on any watch list and if they're not i would like to know who is responsible for them when they are in fact not working because i'm slightly concerned because they have kind of a some sophisticated command of things both story-wise and visually that when you're talking about this kind of story everything that they did made sense but also like i don't know what world we live in where we've gotten to the point to where the most frightening part of this movie is realizing this is happening because of unprocessed grief like we've gotten to such a point to where we don't talk about anything and again this goes back to the other thing i was saying in the boogeyman there's an actual being that exists that is feeding on their grief and their grief morphing into fear and talk to me it's this minimalist approach to the idea of your undealt with emotions your refusal to look and deal with life in the actual leaves you vulnerable in dangerous ways that can be harmful and quite frankly deadly and it also looks directly kind of in this unnerving idea that I have noticed uh, has circled back around to being very popular for people who were younger, that um, death is the only way out. Mm-hmm. And they don't, they don't mess around with any of this stuff. So it's like a slow, deliberate walk towards the inevitable <clears throat> on multiple levels. And that that is not something that we've gotten in horror movies a lot lately. Like that slow and walk to, we all know that this is not going to end well. And we're just watching the train wreck happen. And I don't think I've enjoyed kind of a lo-fi horror 
especially take on a possession as well in a while as I did for talk to me. And, you know, I've been trying to tell people to, you know, I need to, I need to watch this movie. Um, I've been holding on to it. Chris said he wanted to hold this until it came out. I was like, but, 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 and he's, and that's what we're doing. So I'm glad you saw it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad your audience enjoyed it. I hope people see it because I want a 24 to remember that they, what they do is what we need. So more projects like this happen. Cause again, this is this, this duo's debut film. Phenom debut film. I mean, there. I read somewhere, and I can't find it now because I wanted to get the quote. But I definitely read somewhere that their inspiration for this was the Babadook, and yeah, yeah, absolutely was <laughs> because we're talking. This is, this is another horror film that I I tell people all the time. Have you seen that? Like, oh, what's a good horror? Have you seen the Babadook? Okay, if you haven't seen the Babadook. Come back and holler at me. We've seen the Babadook. You do talk now, about the Babadook like, the way people talk about have you met our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. At yeah, I'd be like, hey, listen, don't ask me a whole. It's not. A, I'm not. I'm not going to give you a bunch of answers or go through a bunch of lists. If you can handle the Babadook, what's going to end up happening to your Netflix is they're going to start suggesting other films. Or if you just Google other films like the Babadook, you will find a grail house of you know, psychological horror films about how people deal with things the wrong way. And it's, it's, it's these deeper conversations that can manifest from watching those. This, the, this whole, this whole film could be a discussion, like you said, about like how people deal, how people are dealing with grief and the youth and this whole, you, you have to kill things and you get, you have to die to fix things. Like that is so in this film and that whole, I'm packing away things or did knows um, going in the, in the solitude and uh, going with it going just deep deep in yourself and not being able to come back out not being able to find yourself this film plays with reality right they and in there there are things that characters say in this film that people they don't listen to because they're kids they don't listen to it like you know it, they're directly telling them just do it's, it literally is hey just take your pill three times a day and you'll be fine and like the kids start the first day and they're just like, I don't feel fine. And the first pill didn't work. I give up. And they go and they do some other shit. I'm going to go get heroin. What? Oh, no. no Worst reaction. No, please don't. Don't do that. At least try the other two pills first. That happens in this film so many times. They just run off to go find heroin. It's like, what are you? No, bro. That's not the response. But we don't really, we don't really talk about those kinds of things anymore. Like, you know, um, I got a cousin who's got himself in a whole lot of trouble right now because um, he doesn't know how to be alone anymore and his wife died during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of stuff has come as a result of his inability to be alone that could destroy his life. Um, and and I'm not being metaphorical. I mean, they don't get shit worked out for him. It's a wrap. And um, we don't we don't really we don't really deal anymore like 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 this movie is really simple and then this movie is really complicated and i think that's what i liked about it in the sense that one of the directors wrote with somebody else i think it's bill heinzman is the other dude and daniel mm-hmm. worked with him on the script yeah bill heinzman yeah was the other. and it, it's very clear that at least on certain levels some of the stuff was probably the two of them sitting in the room going, okay, yeah, but why? Okay, but do we need to explain that? Because 
the parts of this movie that get deeper explanations are usually the parts that get yada yada in horror movies. And I think that's what makes it so uneasy and so unsettling. So even when you figure out what's going on and maybe your sense of foreboding isn't holding up so much because, you know, you've clocked a couple of things. You're like, oh, I know where this is going. This is one of those movies where it stops being about, did you figure out where this is going? And all about, you know, you watching and going, this didn't have to be this way. Or <laughs> I don't know how many times I looked at this and I was like, man, the way something else could have happened, anything else, it, it didn't have to be this way. Yeah. And it's, it, uh, yeah, no, it's, we don't have a whole lot of movies that even it, this movie is fatalistic, but also not, if that makes sense. Like there's, there's a high degree of, well, I guess this is where we are now in this movie. Yeah. And yes. <laughs> yes. But they always put the thing with, so I'm, I'm actually reading. Um, when I say reading, I'm audibling. I'm actually audibling, um, I Jurassic Park right now. Uh-huh. And to, for, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much at the end. I think I have like 20 minutes left or something. And to have, to be going through that story and then to go watch this movie, I'm like, what is up with people feeling like no matter how bad it's gotten, they can regain control. What is up with that mentality? And it's it, it's so prevalent in this film with Mia's character that it it, it you know it, because of that, what happens happens. They she is she, oh my god, and it she just doesn't listen to people, but she feels like she can regain control. She's Hammond in this movie. And like I feel like I am in in the audience. I'm Malcolm, like trying to <laughs> tell her, nope, you never had control. You guys thought you had control, but you actually never had control because you're a bunch of dumbass kids doing something for TikTok. But like, I mean, even when you get to the point and you really find out exactly what's behind that and and how it circles back to how this movie opens, which I thought was a great use of foreboding in a way that we don't get usually. And um, I was like, that's really smart. And I also hate it because, because where are you supposed to, where are you supposed to go from there? Like how many times can you mess up when there, and then you're like, well, I guess there really is no coming back from there. There's one point in this movie I was like, well, shit, all she had to do was tell somebody. And then the other times when she should have been keeping her mouth shut, I'm like, just, she's not, she's literally. She is literally not paying attention to her reality in this film. And because of that, you as the audience member get lost with her on the journey to the end. You get lost with her. Like to, to the end of this film, you get, you're just like, I don't know which parts were real and which parts weren't real because she didn't either. Until the end when there really even is, even then when there really is no coming back even then like the realization takes forever to set in well that's what i like about it because when you're doing a possession movie and you're doing it in a contemporary setting and they're really smartly like the the, the friend group this friend group exists somewhere i, I don't i don't want to be a part of it but mm-hmm. <laughs> but this friend group exists somewhere um and and people get treated the way these people get treated in this movie somewhere. I don't want to live there, but it's real. 
And so you get pulled into it. And that's why I said it's, it's that, you know, they're not doing the whole John Carpenter of it all. It's not Stephen King of it all, but it's also, it's also not like they're not trying to aim for this new lane of horror, which I love and personally feel belongs to black people. So that's just me. Um, because it's playing around with a lot of tropes that we've already played with and you know, it's our turn. So get out the way. I know what it was. Well, I found the line I was looking for, actually. Mm. They worked and crude on the Babadook. Mm. So that explains a lot about how this was, why this was developed the way it was developed, probably. They they took, they definitely took notes and learned. Well, that makes, it makes, it makes a lot of sense by why they understand that there doesn't have to be a choice between um, dramatic integrity and what's necessary for the genre conventions to work. It also makes sense why they picked some practical effects rather than trying to go. One of the most disturbing things in this movie is just when they do the superimposing over a, of a ghost mm-hmm. and then reality. And it's and it and it probably wasn't very simple to um, film per se, but it is one of the most simplistic ways to just completely unravel somebody on the inside in a horror movie, and they do it very well. Um, like simple things like, you know, using all black out contacts on the eyes at the moment of possession. Um, but then having that against the backdrop of a room full of people videotaping and uploading it to the internet and then people going, nah, that ain't real because we live in the filter generation. So, Mm -hmm. so all the different things that they do to set this up from the friend group to the family group, to the family dynamics. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're one of those people, I I doubt any of our listeners are, but I hope we get new listeners, even though we are insane. Um, If you're one of those people who's more on the whole puritanical edge with respect to what you feel should be there, there is strong, bloody, violent content, and there is some sexual content. Not much, but there's language throughout. But let's be real, if you've made it this far into an MTR network, uh, you you are on the language tip because we cuss a lot. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Is this going to go on your list of movies that you now recommend to people if they want to watch horror? Absolutely. This it right now? It is this. This is the list, and it's in order. Um, number one is Babadook. Um, number two is after you've watched the Babadook, go watch something made by the kids who worked on the Babadook. Talk to me. <laughs> and then it's probably going to be Smile because I want you to keep watching fucked up possession films. And after you've had enough of those, go watch X and Pearl in that order because it just works better uh, in the, the same way that Star Wars did their films. And I think that's it for right now. Like, oh, and Midsommar. End, end it with Midsommar. And if you want extra credit, you can watch Hereditary. But, you I know, Ari is always going to have a strong... I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think Hereditary is niche. Hereditary is niche to me in a different way than Mother is niche to me. But to me, those are both very niche movies that go off the rails in the third act. I, I like, I, I, I agree with most of your list. Um, I think Midsommar is higher on my list than um, X and Pearl, but that's because I don't generally tend to suggest slasher movies to people. Can I say that people need to build... There are people who did not understand why Midsommar was made. It's the greatest breakup movie ever made. Like, they they watch it, and they're like, why am I watching this? And I'm the person sitting next to them go, why would you not? Have you seen what we've seen so far? Yeah. I feel, I feel like Ari is just too good 
at putting things in people's faces that sound like elevator music, that, that look like elevator music. And then he completely does something like shove somebody inside a bear, sew them up, set them on fire. Right. Uh, like you don't, yeah. but you should have seen it coming because you remember the tune, yeah. the elevator tune. Yeah. You do, don't you? It's actually stuck in your head. Yes. So you were paying attention, but you weren't paying attention. But you didn't understand like, what you were looking at. Those are generally the types of horror movies that I will suggest. I also suggest horror movies like The Mist because I feel like the same way. Uh-huh. That, mm. that the mist was a truly frightening experience and it became more frightening because of the way people behave and the choices they made and their own sense of foreboding and you know in particular marcia gay harden going the fuck unhinged in a yeah. grocery store yes. you still have those moments exactly in this movie as well to kill those people first listen yeah you always 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 you have to kill those people first the loud and proud and He's going to protect us. You got to kill those people first. If someone sneezes and another person said, God, God has blessed you. Instead of just bless you, you got to kill that they person. They get to go outside you and take their chances. Kill them. Send them to the store next door with the acid spiders. Okay. They gotta have to. Yeah, they got to leave. But I really feel like that's another movie that really, I mean, it's a Stephen King story. And it's one of the ones that like holds together once it comes to the screen in a way that some of his other stories, if you're not uh, willing to up they cared because they based it on some twilight zone episodes and because they, they changed the ending. Right. But, That's why it missed well. But when you look at the, the mechanics of what they were doing there and why it kind of works, it comes down to impressive camera work. It comes down to a strategic, um, strategic use a fright versus jump scares. It comes down to a choice between uh, like putting incisive words and incisive feelings into the hands of your actors and then trusting them to do their job versus feeling like you need to not trust your audience and explain every little thing. Uh, So, so that's for me, this movie goes on the list for that for me. I liked talk to me. Uh, I mean, it's not, it's not the scariest movie I've ever seen. It is one of the most unsettling. And it is definitely a movie that um, leverages the best of who we are as people now, um, not just in a post-pandemic world, but just in general, who we are and what our human impulses are to create a, a one hell of a contemporary take on a possession. And a lot of people don't understand why I call this a monkey's paw story, but uh, monkey's paw wishes are, always come with the caveat that you should be careful what you wish for. And, mm-hmm. and if you remember early in the movie, some of the conversations that the lead Sophie has with the little boy who later then gets his ass in trouble and leaves everybody shook, um, you know, this, 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 this tendency towards fatalism, this, this, this detachment and disassociation we have that people lean into nihilism. It's like the, you know, the bitter and anger that we didn't get exactly what we thought we were getting when we came in and therefore we want nothing. This movie very subtly deals with all of those things and d- depicts the like like how wrestling with depression and grief without a safety net can land you somewhere that you can't come back from and i liked it no uh yeah it it's a rough ass watch it is ooh if you are squeamish i don't there um what what was the show that mtv had because MTV's had a lot of dumb, like white people be doing dumb shit shows, and you'll watch them because of that. 
but they had one where they would actually show people's like bones breaking and I cannot remember what that show was called and that was the only MTV show that I was like I'm not watching I will watch Bam I will watch Jackass I will watch all these shows where these white guys fucking themselves up but that show where motherfuckers was actually breaking their bones and yeah, shit was hanging out their arms and shit ridiculousness huh? It was not ridiculous. No, 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 no. They, I don't know if it was Scarred or something like that. MTV had a show oh. where people actually broke bones. Yeah, I remember. I, the, I, I saw, I and I was like, I cannot watch this. I think I watched one episode cool. where somebody's like, like shin or femur bone was sticking through the skin and I was good. Yeah, I'm not. People like Janet landing on skateboards and yeah, those shit's yeah. popping up and hitting them in the testicles and knocking their testicle on the, from the inside to the outside. Nope, cannot, can not. And this film pushes that line because it goes there and it makes you watch people watching it happen, not intervening until it's so far past being able you being able to to now do anything about it. It is just I'm watching I'm just watching it like so nobody's gonna nobody's gonna stop this because we're all just oh no we're all, we're also oh no what's happening at this point it's like the 17th time it's happened and y'all are still looking at it like it's the first time it happened but that moment when it happens and talk to me and you turn to the people who should have answers and realize that they didn't have they've never they don't even, know shit not only do they not know shit but the people who they probably should have asked don't talk to them either. No, he, I mean, old boy was just, was literally like, hey, my boy just, he was like, hold this hand for me. And I, I've been holding it ever since. Yeah. <laughs> what? But like, but all, all of it, I was like, it's just, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, A24 barely misses. I'm really glad that they took a chance on the Rock Rock Bubbles uh, debut film. I don't know. I, it's, just, it's, it's, I enjoyed all of this. I wa- I'm telling you, it's one. Of, it was one of my festival favorites. I think it's one of the few ones that I actually remembered to email back to the studio to give them feedback when they asked me. <laughs> and I've really, really, really been waiting this whole time just to talk to you about it. So I'm glad you enjoyed um, this it. is a. <clears throat> I've been, I've been doing this thing where I've been getting my dad to watch horror films that I know are going to have him upset months after. Like, we're going to be having, he's going to be like, well, Brandon got us in here watching fucking Pearl and shit that we're talking about is good. The last, he has not, I had him watch, I kept telling him to watch Barbarian. And what? he was like, I'm going to watch it, I'm going to watch it, I'm going to watch it. And then my, um, my, my, my god brother, little, little youngin, he's going to college now. Uh, he is into films. He's, he's into all types of films. He watches crazy shit too. He also told my dad, Hey, you know, uh, uh, you should watch Barbarian. And my dad was like, you know what? Brandon told me to watch Barbarian too. I finally went down and was at my parents' house. And dad was like, what was that movie you kept telling me to watch, man? And I was like, Barbarian. And he was like, let's watch, turn it on. Turn it on so we can watch Barbarian. He has not let it go since. So that when- Barbarian is the, one of the worst films he has ever seen. <laughs> While me and my little god brother are like, you tripping. Barbarian was one of the best films we saw last year. Because of the way it's written and edited. 
Barbarian is it it just it starts off crazy like a like a thriller, then it turns into a fucking horror film, and then it just in the middle it just takes a break. And you end up on the sunny side of a mountain with Justin Long. And you're like, what? Wait a minute. Hold on, bruh. What, what, what? Wait. What we get? What, hold on. What just happened? And then you get back to the horror. That's what made Barbarian so good. This, Talk to me is going to be the next film. I'm going to tell him, hey, man, you should watch Talk to me. And I know he's going to be pissed at me after he finished watching it. He's going to be like, Brandon, what the hell? What the hell is this shit you just had me watch? I mean, I mean, it. Look, he I'm, said the same thing about Miss Amar. He he was like, I'm not watching Miss Amar. That shit is white, and it looked this, and it looked that. And he walked in on the scene with them two people on top of that that cliff that had reached the end of their life. And he he just happened to walk in and sat out there as they walked off, and he saw what happened. He went, the fuck, and he sat down and finished the movie with me. <laughs> I don't know what you don't know what to tell you. I will say this. Um, I, I feel like one of the things that has been a little um, underwhelming for me is movies that I go in and watch and then they do something in the movie and then I spend the rest of the movie and I leave the movie wishing that they had told that movie. And, y- you know, we both have said that this movie opens up with a bang and it goes somewhere wild and the ride doesn't stop. But the opening of this movie is foreshadowing for other things. And this is the first time that that the foreshadowing did not make me wish that I had just been watching that movie in a long time. No, because I think Mia's story, I'm not saying that the other person's story didn't seem as, it didn't seem as entertaining, but I think we've seen, seen yes, I think we've seen that movie too. I prefer my stories to have characters of colors leading them, characters of color leading them, even if they go this way. I'd still prefer. Well, I, even I, if her pants, even if the person who who goes and picks up her hot topic clothes for her, oh my god, uh, and <laughs> and oh also god. she gets her hair cut at hot topic. Stop it! God, this character. Look, you know what? Like, I, I, this is what you do if you want to make a possession movie for the modern age. This movie has all of the elements in it, but it didn't sacrifice any of the traditional conventions necessary to make a really great cautionary tale. And I think that's why it works. I think it's why it goes. Yep. I think it's why it grows on you. Like I've seen this movie three times now at this point and I liked it the first time I was, I on it the second time. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm good. I'm uh, this is, this is my movie. And I think I, that's all I got to say. What's your score? Um, I, I think I'm going to give this just help. The kangaroo, nine. I'm gonna give this nine. Just help the fucking kangaroos out of ten. I hate you so much. This is an eight and a half reasons why I don't go to parties. Um, yeah, it's eight and a half reminders why I don't go to parties. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, and shout out. I've I've heard that Sophie Wilde had another film that also had high rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So looks like she' about to be another star from another country. That's gonna do or another continent that's gonna do great here and have black people mad that they didn't use a young black American girl for look, this. I, look, right. I look, I look, I'm sorry. We, sorry. I, I I refuse. Look, look. Her acting was fucking immaculate. Okay, yeah. that first possession was amazing. Yeah. Also, the guy she had a crush on his first possession. 
was wow that's when you don't at that point you should never want to play this game once you see the way his possession goes yeah no i'm not i'm not doing any of this but i i don't i don't look i don't care i don't care where you are from if you are out here and you are unapologetically yourself and a part of that unapologeticness happens to be that you are black uh isa ray i told us i'm rooting for everybody black sophie wilde is rapidly rising up the list of people who I will see movies just because they are in them. And I think the other movie that you were talking about that's coming out this year is The Portable Door. So yeah, that should be on your radar too. Just saying. Okay. No, I'm there. I'm for it. All right. Well, All right. well this has been um, MCR Network Movie Trailer Review for Talk To Me. It is currently in theaters now. Um, yeah, go see it. And then don't, don't, don't come back. Don't come for us. After you sit through it, I ain't holding so. nobody hand no more. I don't want to talk to y'all. I don't want to shake hands. It's not. not I mean, it's, as of July twenty nah. seventh, I'm good. Uh, don't don't hold your hand out to me. I'm just gonna fist bump you. That's just that's all I gotta yeah. say. And if you hear a knife come out, Leave. the way that knife came out, right? <laughs> okay, I don't. Everyone heard that knife. Okay, every Beethoven heard that knife. But, I don't understand. Look, okay, why again, no one read. Look, I this is on my list of movies that needs to be talked about for uh, astounding uh, debut films. I'm not gonna lie; it's not gonna, it's not my winner, um, but it's high on the list of movies that are debuts. Like right now, Past Lives and um, Tyrone that they clone Tyrone and Rye Lane are in front of it but if you are somebody who really likes to get into debut movies for filmmakers by black filmmakers that like i mean this is the only movie that i think right now on my debut list it's not by a black filmmaker if that tells you anything i don't think there's an unsafer sound you are a more s- subtle <laughs> a, a more subtle unsafer sound than the way of the that knife. knife came out it's not it's not the unsheathing of I we have heard a lot of swords and knives unsheathed. Okay, the way that one came out was very impactful to me. Like, that was a look. I that can't, was I a, can't tell. I can't tell you what sound is the one that got me because it's just a straight up spoiler. Which means it's time for us to stop talking before we give away the story yeah. and people lose their reason to go see it. But as no, you can see, we, if we tell them why to go yeah, see it. They definitely yeah, go see it. I know, too. but I look. I'm trying to be better about accidentally interrupting because i didn't realize somebody wasn't finished talking i'm also trying to be better about like spoiling movies for niggas you know that's i feel you i feel you but y'all still gonna go see this shit if i told you how it ended you still go see this shit yeah you would it's that good yeah all right we out peace